Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 40 of the Physician Assistant Exam Review Podcast. This week, we're going to continue our discussion of dermatology. first episode of 2019. My name is Brian Wallace. I'm the host and creator here at physicianassistantexamreview.com where you can find all the notes for each and every show, everything over on the website that you can need. It's all laid out for you. Uh, If you head on over there, there's a menu bar in the upper right-hand corner, which will walk you through everything uh, that you'd want to find on the site, all the notes, everything you can follow right along. Uh, So yeah, this is 2019, our first episode recorded in 2019. Also my first episode since passing my Panry. I've got that uh, shortly after taking the exam in the beginning of December, I found out that I passed. So I was super excited about that. Got a lot of great feedback from people when I shared that through the email list. Um, thank you so much for all that. I really do appreciate it. I decided to take a shot in, in 2018. My cycle ends in 2019, but I figured I would try and see if I could study over a shorter period of time and using all the techniques and things that I've been teaching through the email list and and using all the strategies for test taking that I've been covering in Physician Assistant Exam Scholars Newsletter and using all of that to to its utmost and seeing if I could get through the exam in a much, like I said, a much shorter time frame. Normally, I'd take about two months to even three months to prepare. In this case, I did it in uh, 10 days was what I finally wound up doing. I decided on Thanksgiving morning and then went ahead and signed up for the only date available in December and, and took it and passed and did very, very well. Now, a lot of people will say, it's because I'm constantly reviewing, I'm going over all this stuff. Some of that's true. Some of it is because I've been practicing in practice. I've been out of PA school now. Oh, geez, if I just took my second panry uh, <laughs> long enough uh, that I have a lot of experience, right? So there are a lot of things make sense. I don't have to learn uh, about staph infections. I don't have to learn about DVTs. A lot of that stuff's already in there. So I don't have to take a ton of time on on every single topic, but I don't know all of it by any stretch. I record these and it makes it sound like I know what I'm talking about because I sit and write out all the notes and then I record the episode. And for you, it sounds like I'm, I really know this information. And while I'm recording it, I certainly do. I've studied it. I've gone over it. But it's not to say that I retain it for a whole lot, lot longer than you would. Um, it doesn't stick in my head forever. I'm still losing this stuff. You're forgetting just as fast as you remember. So I do touch on it, obviously, more than the average PA, but I don't, I think that gives me some advantage. I don't think it gives me a tremendous advantage. The difference is I think what gives me a tremendous advantage is the study skills and the ability to see how the test is written, to understand what the test writers are thinking, to have put together my own test questions. All of those things I think is really the key. And the part, more importantly, it's also the part that's reproducible for you. Uh, All that information is easily available. All All of those are things that you can do. You obviously can't spend years putting together a review podcast. That's simply not going to be the best use of your time. But you can recreate a lot of the things I do, a lot of the test-taking skills. You can use them on your normal exams, your end-of-rotation exams, all of those places. Uh, And I cover, like I said, and I cover all of that stuff in the newsletter, I'm sorry, in the uh, email list, which you should definitely go sign up for. I, I email every day with tips and tricks and the things I'm thinking and the things I'm learning on studying, test taking. Uh, mindset, all these things that will help you throughout your course of your journey. And then I covered in even more detail with the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars newsletter, which is a monthly newsletter that goes out that I cover all of this stuff in, in amazing detail. I try to share as much with you as I possibly can. I can't get that deep in the regular emails. So that's where my 
spot where I can really share quite a bit and give you the tech, the, the tactics and the techniques for test taking and for studying and all those, those other areas that are super important. We've also done stuff on getting, uh, job applications and all sorts of great stuff that I think is really helpful. I've got some good ones planned and coming up. In fact, this month's, uh, this is going to be the February issue coming out February 1st is going to be all on what I learned while taking the exam. So there was a lot of things that I was surprised about when I sat down to take the exam. A lot of things that kind of shook me off my course initially, things I've talked about before, but things I've refined uh, that day and things I think will really make a big difference for you uh, on your big day. So anyway, I would definitely go check out the email list and then in addition to that, uh, the Physician Assistant Exam Scholars newsletter is really what I've been putting my heart and soul into lately. So uh, definitely check those two things out. Anyway, this was a long introduction. So let's go ahead and get started with our dermatology. We've been covering derm for a little while now. Uh, we're going to pick up pretty much where we left off and move right through the blueprint, uh, more or less the way they have it laid out. So let's go ahead and begin with our priming questions. Which is associated with advancing age, actinic keratosis or seborrheic keratosis? Actinic keratosis or seborrheic keratosis? Heat and alcohol are triggers for which skin disease? Heat and alcohol are two triggers for which skin disease? What labs would you order for folliculitis? What labs would you order for folliculitis? And lastly, a waxy, stuck-on appearance should make you think of what skin disorder? A waxy, stuck-on appearance should make you think of what skin disorder? A waxy, stuck-on appearance is going to be one of our key terms for dermatology. And I cannot stress enough, after finishing my exam, after going through hundreds of questions before the exam, uh, I am more proponent of, of key terms than I've ever been. Uh, I really, really think they're extremely important, extremely useful. I actually wrote an email today about... Uh, some thoughts I had on uh, ischemic bowel that I saw as a that was misdiagnosed, and the key terms that go along with it were so obvious that it it seemed odd to me that it was misdiagnosed, and how those can be used in regular practice, let alone how valuable they are in tests. So definitely, just it's not the only thing by any stretch. There's so many other things to learn, but please don't listen to people who say that the key terms aren't on the test anymore. They are prevalent in every single question I came across. All right, so let's go ahead and move into dermatology part three, acne vulgaris. Uh, acne vulgaris is an obstruction and inflammation of hair follicles and sebaceous glands. The most common skin disease affecting 80% of the population. Uh, sebum is an oily secretion from the sebaceous glands. And what happens is uh, the hair follicles get clogged with sebum and kerat keratinocytes. I think I'm pronouncing that wrong. Ke Keratin, keratinocytes, whatever. Um, the follicles are colonized by a bacteria I'm not even going to try to pronounce, and it is a normal human anaerobe, but those follicles get colonized with that bacteria when it gets clogged, and then inflammation occurs at the site. The clinical presentation, which I'm sure we're all at least vaguely familiar with, are comedones, which are blackheads, which are the open comedones, and the whiteheads, which are the closed comedones. You can get papules, pustules, and cysts. Labs here, typically you're not really going to need any labs, but hormone levels may be helpful. So you can get testosterone, FSH, LH, and DHEA. But again, I don't think that's going to be in your normal workup. Your diagnosis is going to be clinical. One treatment right off the bat might be uh, oral contraceptives for females. Mild cases 
Uh, you're just going to keep the skin clean, but not too dried out and overwashed. Some data does show worsening symptoms with a diet high in sugar and milk products. I don't know about you, but for me, it was always brownies. If I ate brownies when I was in high school, man, my face would break out unbelievably. I don't know if it was the chocolate, the sugar, what, what it was, or maybe it's the milk products, but uh, it was brownies for me. Moderate cases, you could use topical retinoids, topical azolic acid, uh, benzoyl peroxide, and then a topical antibiotic. For a severe case, you may want to add a uh, oral antibiotic. Tetracycline seems to be the historical favorite, but erythromycin or clindamycin uh, also come up in all the lists. Isotretonin, I think you might pronounce that. I, I used to know it as Accutane. Uh, it may only be prescribed, it's going to be your, your high level. You have somebody who's got some serious problems. It may only be prescribed by a dermatologist with special approval due to the possibility of severe side effects. These include dry eyes, mouth, mood swings, joint pains, visual changes, leukopenia. And Accutane is teratogenic, so the patients must have uh, pregnancy tests and all kinds of stuff to make sure that, that that's not going to be a problem. Our next one is acne rosacea. And this is a chronic inflammatory skin issue, typically affecting Caucasian females between 30 and 50. Again, that's sort of relevant information. They're not going to give you a male who has acne rosacea. It seems unlikely anyway. Uh, males are less likely to get it, but do have worse symptoms than females. And this is classically periods of outbreaks and then remission. And what rosacea looks like, it's a, the face appears flush, so it's all bright, bright red, and it's typically through the nose and the cheeks. You get small papular pustules, facial telangiectasias, and then when it gets worse, you get rhinophyma, so that enlarged nose. This also is a clinical diagnosis. looks a little bit like uh, acne, but the presentation is, is obviously going to be somewhat different. So some things that trigger rosacea are sun exposure, emotional stress, heat, so both the temperature outside and hot food, so one would be things like spicy food, but also like coffee or soups, things that are temperature hot can be triggers for rosacea. Heavy exercise and alcohol consumption can also be a trigger for rosacea. So treatment is going to be to stop any of those and pay attention to them. For a more severe case, a topical antibiotic may be used, clindamycin or erythromycin, or topical metronidazole. And for very severe cases, you can use oral antibiotics like doxycycline, tetracycline, and then again, you can use isotretinoin, I'm going to just call it Accutane. You can look on the website. I cannot pronounce that one. That's done. Um, next, we have folliculitis. So folliculitis is an infection of the hair follicle by any number of different pathogens. So that hair follicle gets infected, where with acne, it's more of an a inflammation of the hair follicle. Here, it's an infection of the hair follicle. So bacterial, usually it's staph. Uh, pseudomonas is also a possibility. You can get a viral infection, you can get a fungal infection, you can get a parasite infection. Uh, all of that's folliculitis. Clinical presentations can be pustules or perifollicular inflammation. Usually this is going to be self-limiting. Uh, you can use a clindamycin lotion. And the reason they pick clindamycin is because most of these are caused by staph, and, th and that'll treat staph. Next, we have actinic keratosis or it's also known as solar keratosis. This is a pre-malignancy and left untreated, 20% will go on to squamous cell carcinoma. So this is something you need to take care of. And it is associated with sun exposure. The clinical presentation is a two to 10 millimeter macule or papule, pink or hyperpigmented, and it feels kind of like sandpapery. 
labs and studies, a biopsy is going to be necessary, but usually that's only done if the treatment isn't really effective. So first line of defense is always going to be prevention, so avoid over sun exposure. And then you can remove these lesions with cryotherapy or electrocautery. You can use phototherapy or a topical 5-FU to help get rid of these. Seborrheic keratosis is going to be our last one for today. And this is a benign, usually brown pigmented lesion. And these numbers, the numbers of these increase with age. They're variable in size and they grow slowly. They have a uh, waxy stuck on appearance. Again, that's our, our key term for this. That one should jump off the page at you. And these don't require any treatment, but they can be removed if the individual doesn't like the way that they look or if they're bothering them for some reason. Our study tip for today, I've alluded to earlier, which is going to be know your key terms. I cannot stress that enough. Uh, understanding the, the diseases, understanding the treatments, understanding the diagnoses, all of this stuff is important for sure. Uh, but the key terms is such a strong base for getting questions right and for speeding you up on tests. I mean, I, I harp on it a lot, uh, but I think about it more than ever after having taken my exam. So definitely, uh, j like I said, just please don't let people deter you away and say, oh, they don't use those anymore. It's too easy to write questions with them. So people are trying to get away from them. Yeah, it's 100% true. Nobody likes to write uh, waxy stuck on appearance on a test uh, and have you just pull out the answer. But it's also hard to describe some of these things without using their key terms. So definitely learn them. Don't expect to see them word for word on your test. Absolutely not. Uh, but, you know, so the example I like to give is the... Uh, a tall, thin male is is a, is for a collapsed lung. It might be a, a key term, key idea. Well, they might not say tall, thin male, but they may say a 18-year-old basketball player. Uh, and, and that's how they sort of get around using the exact phrase. But you, So if you think just a little bit, you can make that leap, though. You've gotten this far. I think you can probably get uh, take the next step. Anyway, so that's my study tip for today. Know your key terms really, really well. It'll definitely help you a lot on your exam. All right, so let's answer our questions. Which is associated with advancing age, actinic keratosis, or seborrheic keratosis. Hopefully you're paying attention. This one is going to be seborrheic keratosis. Heat and alcohol are triggers, or two triggers for which skin disease? Acne rosacea. What labs do you order for folliculitis? Hopefully you don't order any for folliculitis. The answer is none. It's sort of a trick question. And a waxy stuck-on appearance should make you think of what skin disorder? Uh... That's going to be seborrheic keratosis. Excellent. So that will wrap up our session for this week. Uh, we're moving right through dermatology, trying to get everything cleaned up and squared away here in season two. So I'm very happy you're with me. Oh, I did have some people reach out to me in the last episode. If you, I'm going to try and fix it now, but if you listened to that one last week, I apologize. I said cirrhosis when I meant to be saying psoriasis. I do mispronounce lots and lots of things. That wasn't a mispronunciation. I was just getting the word wrong. I, for some reason, I just kept saying cirrhosis instead of psoriasis. So I'm going to go back and fix that now. Uh, so thank you for those of you who pointed that out. Also, a couple people wrote in and pointed out that I was stumbling over a herald patch, and it is actually 2 to 10 centimeters. Uh, and where I thought maybe it was 2 to 10 millimeters, that that didn't stick right in my head. Uh, it is, in fact, 2 to 10 centimeters. So definitely uh, things to point out. And thank you for anyone who does point out mistakes I make in this show. I absolutely do appreciate it. Some things... Uh, Certain things like pronunciations and whatnot, obviously I'm going to get some of those wrong. I'm not an expert in every single one of these fields, but if the information is, is inaccurate, uh, I want to get that corrected as soon as possible and back out to you because we really can't afford to have that. So uh, without further ado, I'm going to sign off for today. Good luck to those of you taking your exams this week. Uh, take care and I'll see you next time.